Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hey Patrick, how are you doing today? It's a bright, uh, nice sunny day today for November. It is. Yeah. That's true. Um, I, I would have to agree with that. I don't have anything, anything else to say about that, but I would have to agree with it. I guess. <laughs> hey, before we get too started into it, we, we are recording this, <laughs> recording this deep in the election. So we want to congratulate President Kanye West for being the president of the United States. Yes. Good job. Absolutely. Good job. Kanye, is a, he's, he's an old friend. Friend of the program. <laughs> so. um, you know, he, got, he got a lot of votes, clearly. Um, we're, we're recording mm-hmm. this. The votes are still being counted, but we know who's going to win. So, uh, by the time you're hearing this, congratulations, <laughs> Kanye West. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be an interesting new world. It's going to be a it, great artistically, musically bound world. You know, it's good for yeah. us designers. And I think. Which we, we talked about this a few episodes back, like we when we, were, we did our review of Hamilton, we were talking about how more politicians should be doing rap yeah. battles, and yeah, I think I it's think, happening. Well, and Hamilton was a precursor <laughs> to the Kanye presidency, right? So yeah. in 2021, it's just going to be a lot of rapping and a lot of him. Like, can you, it's going to be great in 2021 when we have the Oval Office, like when he has like a, like a Sunday evening Oval Office, you know, speech, and it's not going to be... It's going to be him with a bunch of people in the room and then like he's on a like a little keyboard or a turntable or something, you know, and he's going to wrap his speech. That'd be so cool. The, I, I can. I'm imagining that. And that is. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like the future that I've been hoping for, like a real sharp turn yeah. to make 2020 and this decade yeah, a lot be, better. <laughs> I mean, I feel better about 2021. And the future now that Kanye is yeah. president. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think when you, you have the musically inclined person, you, you just kind of like a Mary Poppins that's coming into our country mm-hmm. to take care of this, this family that's not doing too well. So he probably does have a broom that, or not a broom, but a, yeah, an umbrella that flies. Would you, if you saw Kanye West, yeah, just one day in a video, saw him flying on a on a umbrella. You probably wouldn't think twice about it, right? You'd be like, "That figures." No, nah, no. Yeah, I would yeah. not be surprised, <laughs> not in the least. Yeah, he's he's got a bag that's just got tons of stuff you could pull out of it. Just pull out, mm-hmm. you know, a lamp, a floor lamp out it's of like his bag, bird. and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the Kanye we all know and love. Individual. So. Long live President first, Kanye. The first, he's going to be the first president that's a college dropout. Ooh. That's a good reference, huh? Yeah. yeah. Didn't know that. Good for him. <laughs> what's our uh, <laughs> What's our topic today, Mr. Andrew Page? Well, Patrick, let's go ahead and find out. So it looks like today's topic comes from um, friend of the show and executive right. producer Matt Bourne, Matt back Bourne. in the house. His name is Matt Bourne. Um, so excited. This is a pretty interesting topic. Matt says, 
how often should we be validating new working software with our users? How often should we be validating new working software with our users? Yep. Um, I don't know. That's a good question, Andy. This is a very good question. Yeah. How often are we validating our designs? Or should we be validating our designs? Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I think we could take all the time in the world, you know, assuming we had it, to validate every little piece of our designs, but we actually don't have that time as designers. Like we can't validate which shade of color we should be using for a button every time we design something. We can't validate like the exact button button placement or you know table design. So we, we can't validate everything, but what we do try to validate as designers is what are the most important parts of our designs. Um, whenever we have a question that we need answered, that's when we go about validating something. Um, so what, what Matt's talking about here, it sounds like um, um, new working software. So software that's been released to users. Users are, you know, using it. The software is out in the wild. It's live. Um, so he's wondering, like, how often we should be testing that. And I think in this this podcast, Patrick, we have had a number of discussions where um, we're talking about the design process. And in that design process, we, we always talk about like how, you know, you, you start with the design process, you're doing the research, you're, you know, uncovering the problems, you're starting to explore solutions, and then you test those solutions. And then you work with, you know, you're working with developers along the way, and then, you know, you ship this feature. And then a lot of times you just kind of drop off, you just go, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to work on, you kind of forget that thing that you just shipped out to users, right. And, um, you know, we talked about like how it's actually really good once you ship something to go back and revisit it to see if it actually is solving the problems that you set out to solve. Because um, you started with a certainty, you said, okay, I feel really good about this design. I think it's going to solve these problems based on the user tests that we've done, based on the data we've collected. Let's, let's ship it, right? Let's work on it and ship it. And then after, um, we often like move on to the next thing. Um, we don't take the time to actually test something that's out in the wild. Um, so we have talked about here, like it's good to get, you know, feedback um, to do lots of, you know, different types of tests, you know, with live users to see if the software is working with them. Um, so I think first and foremost, once you ship something, you need to let it, you know, kind of live in the wild for a little bit, but you need to start gathering feedback. So you definitely need to be gathering that information to see if that, that, that new solution is working. Um, kind of out of the gate. Um, I don't have an exact timeline because I think it's going to be different based on, you know, whatever project you have, but you definitely need to be checking after you ship something to see if it actually is working. But then from there, what do you do? Right. Do you like, do you say like every six months I want to check this again? Do you, do you put a, um, like a timer on it or, um, is there anything that you've done Patrick to, to continue to validate if something's working or not after the fact? I don't know if there's anything formal. <clears throat> I know we get inputs. You get inputs from a lot of different places for working software. If it's being successful, if it's being, you know, if it's adopted, if it's not. A lot of those metrics and a lot of those different methods aren't necessarily things that designers do, right, specifically. So, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, NPS is one that people use to gauge whether or not 
sort of validate working software if it's if it's valuable, you know, to users. Um, I think another metric is is you know all of your your use mes- usage met- metrics. If I can talk, you know, like daily <laughs> logins and you know different you know different ways of measuring the product and seeing how people are using it during the day and throughout the day and how many people are using it and if that number is increasing or decreasing, right? Um, so adoption metrics of all kinds that you can plug into your your system, right, uh, to see how it's being mm-hmm. used. Um, and then there's, you know, there's other ways of, of you know, sort of validating working software. Um, you know, from a usability standpoint, uh, I've used SUS, System Usability Scale. We've done, you know, SUS surveys every six months, send them out to our users to give us um, if they feel like our software that we're producing is usable. Um, that's kind of more like a rolling thing, kind of more like an NPS score. Um, we're trying. And do you do that like. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Patrick. You go ahead. Um, do you do that on like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ahead. Do you. So for those, for example, do you do those on kind of a general basis or do you like pick specific, you know, experiences inside the software that you're targeting for that sus um i've never done the specific ones i i know it, i know it can be done and okay. people do it people do that for sus because a system usability scale can be used for like an entire product it can be used for a user test that's where it originates from it could be used on any system so if you just had like i want to measure task usage like in our app or something you would pick one particular task and then measure that somehow, right? And there's plenty of tools to do that. You could use Intercom. You could use a bunch of different tools that would pop up when somebody uses the system, um, that kind of thing, and then get get kind of a measurement there. So, yeah, it's possible. I've never implemented that anywhere that I've worked other than when we're doing usability okay. testing. Um, <clears throat> but as far as, yeah, the use of SUS, I've only used it on the overall product. And the experience. Okay. Um, one one metric we're gonna try. We don't have we, we haven't had any usability metrics at Canopy for a while. So one metric that we're gonna try and we're gonna we're putting this in our OKRs next year is the um, what's it called? It's the UMUX. Um, so it's hmm. the usability metric for user experience. So it's a shorter, it's a, still a survey okay. like the SUS, but it's a little bit shorter. Um, gives you the same kinds of things. It just asks, you know, it's just a usability metric uh, to get some value from your customers, right? So you kind of get, you kind of reach out and say, mm-hmm. basically how usable is our app through, you know, a couple of questions. We're going to try to do that and benchmark it in the first quarter. And then we're going to try to probably do it every quarter, run it every quarter somehow. The implementation of that we're still working on. I don't know if we'll do that in app or outside of the app or how that's going to work, but it'll be generalized. Um, you know, so it'll be a generalized thing. The problem we have too, I think that a lot of companies have, and you probably have the same thing, is we don't have a regular uh, release cadence. You know, so our teams are releasing when projects are done, so we don't really have like a a rolling release cadence like every two weeks or every month or every three weeks. Um, so if you did, if you had a more rolling release cadence, then I think you could test your working software, like kind of almost on a cohort basis, right? If you got really analytical, yeah. 
you could figure out what kind of measure you want to take. So whether it's like UM, UX, or if it was like the SUS or NPS or whatever, or a combination of all of those things, right? Like you could take that and then be like, okay, we released this thing to our product. And then six weeks from now, we're going to ask those users that, that were there during the release or something, right? We're going to ask this question and then we're going to release again. So there's a constant, you know, maybe maybe those surveys are two weeks apart because that's what your cadence is, is every two weeks. Um, so in our case, like, mm. I think quarterly is probably going to be a good way to start measuring it. Um, but we could have lots of releases in one quarter and not so many in the next quarter. And so we won't, you know, it'll be a little bit vague that way. It won't be as, um, like, we couldn't correlate it to, like, oh, this release, we released this thing, and here's the four things we released. Did it improve based on six weeks ago, like what we released two weeks ago or or four weeks ago or six weeks ago? I think that would be kind of cool if you could figure out a way to compare more recent things, you know? Also, surveying is really tricky. I think that's that's a hard part of validating working software is, you know, bugging your customers. Um you know, via surveys. I Have you ever done anything else other than surveys? Like, you have, have you ever, like, user tested your product on your own users? Yes. Yeah. Um, so something really great that we've been doing at Workfront, um, I don't know if there's a specific name in the industry for it, but we've been, like, um, basically just doing workflow testing. So um, we're all, as a, you know, a UX team, defining the, the major workflows that happen, you know, across the application. So it's not just in like the area you own, but it can cross over many different experiences. But it's basically based on the workflow. As a user, I'm coming in and I'm, you know, going through the application using it in a certain way. Um, so we define the major ones, and then we are testing those workflows. So we'll take a baseline test, and this is with. Um, existing users or even potentially um, users that haven't ever, you know, like brand new ones that haven't really experienced the, the software before to kind of get like fresh eyes. Um, and we'll test with a number of those users and we'll basically do a scorecard. So we'll have like those tasks and they'll go through and say if if they either pass that task or the task without any issues, they get a green check mark. If they passed it with issues, they get a yellow and with um, they passed with like a lot of issues or basically they weren't able to pass it and they needed help. Um, it gets a red. And then we basically are going through and um, labeling all of those things and giving them, you know, a score. So this, like with this one task could get like a 70% and it, that means it's kind of okay, but it could use some work or this one gets like a 50%, like every time it fails. Um, then you can see like, and really easily quantify like where this experience is right now. And then when you start prototyping, you can retest that same workflow and see how that scores. And then so you can see before this was 50%, now it's scoring 86%. So we see we're in a way better place right now. So that's definitely one way we've been figuring out how to test you know, working software and understanding where the holes are and where we can, of course, patch those holes yeah. and how we can do it. How, what, from a practical implementation standpoint, how are you doing that? Are they, are you just watching users? Are you giving that, are you putting a test together? Are you, are they volunteering for this? Yeah, so we are, we are doing usability tests. Um, so 
we are um, actually recruiting our users um, and also non-users, you know, people who haven't used it before, depending on the type of test we want to do. Um, and we're taking the time to actually, you know, perform those tests as designers individually with those calls, um, you know, taking those notes and, you know, marking those scorecards up. And then all of that, of course, bubbles up to like, how was the overall experience? So it, from practic a practical standpoint, it does take work. Um, but it's also really great because all of the designers get to see where the problems are, um, you know, firsthand talking to our users. Um, so it's, of course, very important that we do that. Um, and the really great thing that I've noticed about it is it gives us some numbers that we can, you know, share and tell a story with. And those numbers really resonate um, with, with executives, with developers. Um, it's really easy for them to see, oh, there's a big problem there. And oh, this design actually fixed that problem entirely. So that's really great. Um, it helps you really um, tell that story great. So yeah, it takes, a, it takes work, um, but I think it's really important work. And these are like live usability testing sessions? Yes. But I think I have always done live, but I think depending on the type of test and how complex it is, you could definitely do unmoderated as well. And then the scorecard is I think that would more be possible. subjective, right? Based on your observation yes. rather than like um, bounce rates and misclicks and stuff like that you would get from like an analytics tool, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say so for sure. That's cool. I want to do that yeah. now. You brought that up before in another podcast and it got me interested. But then I got lazy and I never did it. Yeah. <laughs> Now's the time, Patrick. Now's the time to start. 2021, next year. Um, but it's important. <laughs> next year. Kanye has given then. me, President It'll Kanye a... has given me a lot more uh, hope and energy in the future. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, I think even from that, like, I've wanted to use that even more in my specific area too. So like you can do it very in a general workflow sense, but also like as a designer in the, the area of experience you own, when you're working on something, you also want to workflow that out too. Like if I'm working one portion of the product, like how do people use this? And I should get a baseline score, understand how it's working now, if it is existing software that I want to enhance. Um, and then, you know, I can, prototype that, you know, based on the things I uncover in my design process, and then compare that to my existing score. And that's a great way that I can understand how um, a design is solving for the, the needs of the users. What's the frequency so on that that you guys have been doing? Um, meaning like yeah. how often we're doing it? Um, that's a good question. I think we, it's kind of something that we put in place this year. And we've basically been working this year to workflow or to score out all of the major workflows mm -hmm. that we have. So um, it's a new thing and we'll probably continue to do it. But I don't know, like in terms of what cadence we're going to continue to, to keep testing yeah. those new things. So that definitely comes <clears throat> back to Matt's original question um, in terms of how often should we be doing it? So I don't know if it should be a yearly thing. Um, that's a, a great question, but it could be more like, oh, we realize we hear a lot from our users or from our sales team or from customer success that this area is problematic. We could revisit this workflow and see, you know, retest this and see if we can find, uncover what, what those issues are, you know, if we don't know them already. So it, it could be when, when the, the issue comes up again, 
um, or it could be a yearly cadence sort of thing maybe. So that's a great question that we, I think, have yet to figure yeah, out. Yeah, because you guys are in the benchmark stage, like the initial benchmark stage of doing this. And then from there, like you even brought up, yes. maybe it's something that the, the individual designer in that area then does after they improve the product, right? After they do a project on the product or improve mm-hmm. it, then do it after that yep. because then it's a comparison. So maybe it's not like a, a regular cadence frequency, but something that you more do project base. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But it's been it's been a really great experience doing that. So I would recommend if if you haven't tried it, Patrick, or you listener haven't tried it, um, give it a shot. I wanna try it, man. I think it'd be really cool. I think it'd be really cool to have yeah, I think it'd be really cool to have that data, like that information, that benchmark data and being like, Okay, so here's the tasks, right? I've done top task analysis where you survey people, but I've never done the usability testing. I think it would be cool to like do like an unmoderated usability test on a flow like in maze or something and get like a hundred people taking it, you know? And then it's like, okay, that gives you like a really good baseline of usability of your bounce rate, everything like that. But also put your eyes on it. Right. So you can go, are there little tweaks in here that we can make to improve it right now? Um, but then I like the idea of then maybe, you know, regularly testing it once a quarter or something like that, like taking that same path, that same flow, and then just running it through the system again and being like, okay, so we added some stuff to this, you know, did we hurt the usability? Did we improve the Mm -hmm. usability? Um, yeah, exactly. That's, that's super cool. That, that would be super interesting to do. I know to Matt's point, like, I don't think, I don't think I don't think I've ever worked at a place that's really validated working software like that. Um, I know we do it through data adoption rates and that, that stuff we talked about earlier. And I mean, on some level, if you're at a startup, you know, you know, selling the product is validation, you know, that's another form of validation. Mm-hmm. And that happens daily, you know, um, at that level. But I mean, not from like a usability or, or, or a, a value-based type of validation. I don't think I've ever worked at a place that did that regularly other than statistically. Yeah, no, that's true. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like, um, cause yeah, we, we get all that data from different places. Like our, our technology group is, you know, putting together all of the analytics that we get, you know, sales is of course receiving lots of you know, lots of that sort of data that you're mentioning. That's just like, I'm looking at something and it looks really cool and usable, but Mm -hmm. I haven't used it yet, you know? (laughs) And then, um, CS or customer success is actually working with customers and they're giving us the data saying, Oh, this part is broken because so many users are complaining about it. Um, so we, we do get a lot of that data, but, um, in terms of like, yeah, value and overall user experience, that's something I feel like, um, UX should own. Um, we should be able to understand like, be collecting and sharing that sort of data with the rest of the organization. That's something we should, yeah. really feel well, like. and those other, those other metrics too. the, you know, one of the issues you have with the other metrics is there's other variables other than your product that go into those, right? Like NPS, if CS yeah. is sending out the NPS scores, um, then part of that NPS is their overall experience with customer support and sales. And it's not just your product, right? It's not just usability. I mean, you can validate your product by saying, hey, we have a great adoption rate. Our churn is low. 
you know, we're making good money, whatever. People are using it and enjoying it. People are logging into the product every day, and that seems to be increasing. Mm-hmm. But none of those will ever give you a usability score, right? None of those will ever give you that that maybe they're using the product, but they're begrudgingly using the product. Like, it does something for them, but does it do something that's really great for them, you know? Like, we, we talked yeah. about Pendo last week, and ironically, in the same conversation, I didn't think about it. Uh, we talked about, I talked about how Pendo was bad at UX, <laughs> remember? <laughs> and then we talked about uh, yeah. Cameron Mole talking about his uh, his Google icons and stuff and bringing that to light, you know, the un- the unity over uniformity. Well, it turns out, uh, mm-hmm. right after we said that, I just it dawned on me that Cameron Mole is the VP of product design over at Pendo, or at least he joined like last year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. He used to be over Facebook and stuff. Got the, he's got the local Utah connection. You know, we know who he is. So, like, um, yeah, yeah. I just thought that was kind of funny. But to bring up Pendo again, like, I think Pendo would be a good example of a product that we used probably for a year. Or, like, I've used a couple of times at different companies. Um, you know, ex- like, I've probably used it for two or three years in my career total. And it's okay, but I used it begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would never really know that based on my NPS score of them. You know, it was always like a, it was always like an eight or a seven, you know? So like, like those, those metrics have played more into the company and the, the overall user experience of the company, which I think is good things to do. I think, I think those are great things to measure and look at as a UX designer, since we're kind of responsible for UX, but at the same point, like your product product itself, none of those metrics really dive into the usability and the um, <clears throat> experience people are experiencing day in and day out with the product. So, yeah, and we don't really measure that. We measure yeah. we 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 test our designs, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, <laughs> right <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a, a great call. There's plenty of, of people that could be, you know, depending on the type of, you know, role of individual that's using your software, you know, there's the executives that purchase it and they like the way it works and looks. But then there's like the maybe the end level user who's like a, you know, worker or something that's like um, using it but hates yeah. using it and they have to use it because their their boss told them they, they want to use it. Um and so, like, yeah, you have to be able to understand how it how it fits those users at all of those levels. And I think, yeah, doing those usabilities, usability testing, and um, understanding that uh, will help you um, figure that that information out and where the holes are for them. See, these are the these are the great topics from our EP, Matt Bourne. He brings up these topics, and he makes me want to be a better director of design a better product direct a better product designer he always wants these topics always want to make me go yeah yeah we should do that more often or <laughs> like because our answer is like hey how, how often are you checking usability of your working software We're like well never not enough yeah <laughs> never maybe we should start doing that <laughs> so these topics are fantastic by the way uh, side note related to our EP, let's congratulate Matt Bourne. Um, recently, uh, recently became the product 
the director of product design at Chargeback. So congratulations yeah, to congratulations I, I, to Matt. Absolutely, that's that's great news. Congrats to him. Hopefully, he can still um, you know be sending us those those wonderful topics I that hope, he does, yeah. even though he's a big I deal hope he over there get now. Too busy and is like I can't send topics in. I can't I can't executive produce the design yeah. much podcast anymore. <laughs> Hopefully, he can still give us his uh, time and effort. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to I know based on his topics, though, that he will probably be a better director of product design than I will ever be. <laughs> <laughs> all these, all these topics possible. that I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Should probably do that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Somebody who has those questions burning yeah. in their heart. That's that that that's yeah. a good designer right there, right? He's gonna make things happen over at Chargeback. Maybe we should go work over there, Andy. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing here? <laughs> Speaking of uh, me reading his status on LinkedIn, what are your <laughs> thoughts on the new LinkedIn design? The new LinkedIn yeah. design. So did LinkedIn, did the UI get an update in LinkedIn? Sort of. Have you got, have you, have you received I noticed, it yet? Yeah. I noticed like the LinkedIn app icon like looks different and I'm not sure exactly how it looks different from before. I just noticed it was different. Well, jump in there, man. Um, take a, take a peek. And then I, I don't really see. Okay. I see like there's a bottom nav that looks new. Oh, wow. This is like all very new. Okay. It's a live reaction. Yes, it is. Live reaction from Andy here. So I know the stories thing. That's, I don't know. I don't have stories. That's been there for a a couple of months. You don't have them? Where's the stories thing? Well, they're not showing right now. They were just showing a second ago. Then I refreshed. Are they like oh, at they the top, okay, like so, in Facebook and Instagram and stuff? Yeah, and you can like add your story. And I don't really know how to do that with LinkedIn. Not that I ever do it with any other social media platform. So that's probably my biggest problem. Yeah, I don't have stories. I never had it. I don't know why. Hmm. No, you're no. not special like me. You're not a, a VIP. Oh, it's a paid thing. LinkedIn or. Yeah, I guess so. No, it's not a paid thing. You just got to be really cool. Man, I, I'm trying. It's hard, man. Should I start posting? It is hard. 150,000 posts a day like Gary Vaynerchuk? Become a... Uh, yeah, you should. You should just take other people's posts and then repost them. That's, oh, that's, that's all you got to do. Just like post this interesting video and be like, what do you think about this? Wow, didn't know this. Um, this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this will make an impact on our lives. It has to be like a, <laughs> yeah, a really vague and short sentence and then just post somebody else's really The great awesome part stuff. about it becoming cold outside more now is that Gary's going to wear his beanie more in his LinkedIn posts. <laughs> that is his the little, thing. His You're little right. uh, saggy beanie he hangs off the back of his head. It's going to be fun. Well, I'm kind of bummed I don't have stories. I wanted to at least see that. I'd never use it, but, well, I'd probably use it. 
be fun, right? So it's weird. Usually it's at the top, but this time like I have like a couple posts and then I scroll down and there's like a section for stories. It's kind of like sandwiched between two posts. It's kind of oh. strange. Yeah, I don't see it. But my LinkedIn is all it's all white now with a different like canvas background yeah. color. So it's it's a lot cleaner looking. Gone the way of like uh it's not as clean as Instagram, but It's it's getting closer though. It looks more like a it looks a little bit less corporate-y than it was before, I yeah. feel like. I mean, I don't know what Facebook looks like cuz I avoid that like I avoid coronavirus, but Yeah, this looks more it looks more uh doesn't have all the blue. I never was a fan of the blue color and the gradient that they had on there. So it's kind of yeah. weird looking. Their icons are a little cleaner looking too. They look like they've been redone. You know, you know, Patrick, when you're like, you're driving down the road and you look over and you see like a brand new building you've never seen before. Yeah. And then you go, what used to be there before? You know, they, they bulldoze that area and there was something there. Was it like an old school, an old gas station? Like what was there? And you have no, I don't know if this is just me, but this happens to me all the time. Like I have no idea what was there before. I just see this new thing existing in front of me and that's, that's reality now. Um, I'm having this problem right now with LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't remember what it used to look like. <laughs> I mean, it's not terribly different. Some of the colors are different and the icons are different, but everything's basically in the same place. Yeah. I- yeah, navigation's is fine with me. Like I'm able to find stuff. Okay, I'm still not a fan of like how they have like the main nav at the bottom, but they have like a big navigational item at the top right. They I think they used to have that in the bottom, but like now it's on, on the top right. Yeah, the messages, messages, the messaging. I don't get why that is up there instead of it being a main nav item at the bottom. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. You'd think like that would be a good I'm place sure for knows. like. The my network thing or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like just yeah, yeah, your your account settings or something. Yeah. Their um web version what? of it too is updated. No yeah. Way. So if you remember uh last time in the web version there's a big blue bar at the top <clears throat> with some like janky icons. Now they got nice new icon set. Yeah. What the dude? Did this happen today? I I was on LinkedIn. I swear earlier today, and I feel I like I didn't this see happened this happen today. I my app's been like this for a few days. What the heck? But they got new cards. They kind of went with the rounded cards, you know, the little borders. Yeah, and stuff. that's what I'm talking yeah. about, Patrick. <laughs> the rounded cards with the tan, like the tan background and the blue. They got that new, like brighter blue too. It looks a little bit more modern, you know? Yeah. The layout's all the same, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. I'm, I'm still able to find find my stuff, and I think they've updated some stuff. So, yeah, I think it I think it looks nice. I, look, I see some more spacing, which I think is important. I think LinkedIn was pretty compact before. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm with you on the thing. So I, I feel can't like remember I see more really padding. exactly what it looked like, but... <laughs> Well, I will never yeah. know. <laughs> just 
that design doesn't exist anymore. Well, and they had a lot of like corporate looking um, graphics, right? Like behind your little like profile image, if you didn't have a background image, it was like that weird like mm-hmm. lines and bubbles kind of corporate looking image. They, yeah. Like, it looks like all that stuff's gone now. Interesting. So I feel like LinkedIn's been doing a lot of great work lately. Like in the last couple of years, they've been they've been improving their product to be more like usable and like informative and stuff without being too Facebooky and social media y, you know? I mean there's there's people on there <laughs> posting ridiculous things all the time, but Sure. But yeah, no, I'm seeing, I'm seeing some, what, what I've liked, and I think we've talked about this a lot here is like, um, the stuff that we know and the way we use LinkedIn that hasn't changed much. It's just like, it's been updated to look more modern and to have more hierarchy, like visual hierarchy and spacing. So, um, I'm liking yeah. what I see. I think LinkedIn is like one of the, the most social networking tools that I use, um, mm-hmm. personally. So I've, I've never really had too much of a problem with it other than it's like, it, it felt very corporate and maybe that's what they wanted, but now it looks like they're wanting to go like more, I don't know, yeah. modern, <laughs> more, um, more friendly. Yeah. It's it a little seems, bit lighter weight, right? But, it doesn't feel so heavy and stodgy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I come here and just, just hang out, Patrick, instead of <laughs> coming in here doing my stuff yeah. and getting out of here, right? Come in here and hang out, <laughs> chill with some people. <laughs> yeah, good See for See what them. everybody's liking these days, you know? Yeah. It's liking this post. See who's, see who's hiring. See who's not hiring. See who's getting laid off. See who got an up, a promotion. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the occasional, you know, jerks that post political crap in here. That's fun. Yeah, I don't follow those no, jerks. That's when you hit unfollow. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you like it, Andy. I was I was worried oh, about thanks. it. I, I saw the new stuff picture. and I was like, you know what? I wonder if Andy likes this or not. It's funny, I hadn't noticed that change. It's really weird. Because I think I have been like I think I feel like I used it today. <laughs> But I don't think I'd noticed it because I noticed the app icon looked a little bit different. Like it looked yeah. nicer. It had a different shade of blue. Um, it looks a little bit more uh, clean, if yep. you will, Patrick. We talked about that on the last podcast episode, by the way. Yes. If you're listening to us right now going, what does clean mean? Listen to the last podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, where we, we have an answer to all your, all your questions on clean. I have one more quick question for you, Andy, before we have to go. Have you had the uh, stacker at Taco Bell yet? Okay, so the stacker, is that the new $5 box right now? Yeah, there is a new new box with the stacker, but you can get the stacker itself. Okay. It's it's like the folded quesadilla thing. Yeah, I, 
I have had that, Patrick. Didn't do too much for me. Honestly, you know, I got it and I got it begrudgingly because I went and I wanted to get me a $5 uh, crunch box that was like uh, the Chalupa box. I wanted that. Either that or like the nacho one that was great. Yeah. But that's all they had. I, I don't like how they keep changing these boxes well, the, up. The Chalupa personally. cravings box was always, that was always the backup. But now they got rid of the backup. Yeah. yeah. And that one, that one was like my favorite one. Yeah. Um, wait, hold the phone. I just went to Taco Bell. It looks like there's another Chalupa box right now. There's a $5 toasted cheddar Chalupa box. Hot off the press, everybody. This is breaking news. (laughs) Toasted cheddar Chalupa? Um, yeah, I'm down with this. I need to go to this thing. And it comes with, uh, comes with those little, uh, those little it comes twisty with the cinnamon things in the box. <laughs> yeah, so it's Thank right you. up my alley. So anyway, Toasted sorry to go off topic, but box. yeah, Ooh, sounds good. Yeah, it's got that 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 burnt cheese yeah. on the outside. So you sub out the oh yeah, you sub out the packing peanuts for nachos, and then you swap out the crunchy taco for a Doritos Loco, and then you nailed it. <laughs> Wow, that would be pretty good. You got to pay, though. That, that moves you up to about good. 6.30, I think. Swap out that stuff. But... Worth it. Yeah, that toasted cheddar chalupa is pretty I, good. So I, I had that last last round. Yeah, those are those are pretty tasty. I would sub out the Doritos. I'm all for that. I'm, I totally go with, with what you're saying there, but keep the packing peanuts, as you call them. And then you have, like, a perfect meal. What so, about the uh, what about the black bean chalupa? Would you would you would you partake of that? I like black beans. That's that's the new vegan option. How is that? Is yeah, oh no really? Meat. Black beans. Ooh, nice. It's not like that weird meat that's like beyond or anything. Yeah, right? no. It's just Taco Bell's not into any of that. They got beans. they have some self respect. That's good. <laughs> Talk about some self respect. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would be. Have you tried that before? I didn't know that was a thing. Hot off the press, breaking news. Sweet. Um, (laughs) here in the, the taco much, taco bell much podcast. (laughs) Um, yeah, that I would totally eat that. That sounds great to me. They've got the, the black bean toasted cheddar chalupa too. Oh yeah, man. Does it like have the same like uh same sauce that the regular meat would have? And I would assume it would. It's probably the same. Just they swap out meat for black beans. Yeah, man. That's perfect. I am all, all right. in. I will I would totally eat that. Let's, so I would I'll swap that out. Swap it out. Okay, let's go to Taco Bell. Let's go, Andy. Yeah. All right, okay, I'll see, see you there. in a minute. <laughs> right now. <laughs> You want to know the best way to support the podcast? And I know you do because you made it to the end of this episode. That is share it. Share it with a coworker, share it with a family member, share it with a friend, share it with whoever you want to, share it with a construction worker, share it with somebody, it doesn't matter. Just share it. Um, a couple more ways to support the podcast though. 
go buy a t-shirt over at designmuch.threadless.com and then wear it with pride. And then lastly, to support the podcast, we need your topics. Use hashtag designmuchtopics on social media or shoot us an email at topics at designmuch.org or just go to designmuch.org contact and fill out the form.